welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, uh, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel, and today I want to talk about upper cross syndrome and migraines, or probably other headaches as well if they're driven by neck muscles, a cervicogenic headache. This could be relevant as well, but I'm thinking about a particular uh, patient of mine that I've been working with, and I've mentioned... Um, in a couple different episodes she started out, she came to me as a daily migrainer and she's, she's had migraines since she was a teenager and she's in her forties now. And, um, yeah, it's rough. Uh, she, she came in with, um, migraine headaches that went up over the top of her head and behind the eye. And then also on the left side of her head, um, after the first couple visits, the side, the left side, headache has not returned and we're I think we're now into a few months of treatment um weekly once a week treatment and she's now uh in her last visit she said she had two migraines um that week and that's kind of been the steady uh pace lately it's been like two migraines or three migraines a week which is still in my mind not great for her it's she's very happy because she's coming from having migraines every day to having uh you know five four or five good days a week with no headache um but i feel like uh, i'm still thinking like what else what am i missing so for her a lot of her migraines are driven by the suboccipital muscles particularly the um, inferior oblique uh, suboccipital, which, as you know, can entrap the greater occipital nerve. That's the one that seems to be the main driver of her headaches. So I've been working on, because the since that inferior oblique um, muscle rotates the head to the same side, then I've been working on all the muscles that help rotate the head to the same side, especially trigger points in the levator scapulae in the upper middle trap area, uh, which was definitely restricted. She's a very active person. She trains in some martial arts, and she still wants to be very physically active. So she has uh, some muscular development that, that I think could be triggering uh, the migraine. So... To help the uh, the oblique, um, the inferior oblique, which which rotates, I've been thinking about. Well, if we if we strengthen the levator scapulae and we release tension on the opposite uh, levator scapulae, then we're assisting in the right rotation of her head, 
And if that is better, then perhaps it will irritate the occipital nerve less. Um, she also has some ropiness in that suboccipital. So when I can, I get like one good twitch out of it. I don't want to trigger migraines for her by increasing creating a lot of inflammation from a, a trigger point releases of that muscle. So I, I just like to go conservatively, try to get like one good twitch out of it and then hope that over time we will uh, resolve that uh, top band that has developed over time, probably because of pain. So the thing I wanted to talk about was the upper cross syndrome. You know, Yonda's upper cross which is uh, some people call it a forward head placement. If you think about the postural muscles like the pec minor, which which pulls the shoulders forward, and then you've got tight um, flexors like the like SCM and the scalenes, and then you've got tight extensors, uh, the semispinalis capitis, splenius capitis, splenius cervicis, um, the I count levator scapulae for sure. Um, the trapezius, when the trapezius gets tight, then that that pulls the head into extension. Of course, the, uh, the suboccipitals like the rectus capitis posterior major and minor, and then the the uh, superior oblique. Those can all tighten and and put the uh, the neck into extension and put put the head forward. Um, the other things, so the things I'm thinking about, not only those just releasing tension in those muscles, but then trying for long-term improvement of the upper cross um, postural stuff, then I really also want to look at the pecs, not just the pec minor. I want to look at pec major, and I want to look at the lats because those get very tight on most of us, especially people who are active. And those will pull the shoulder into internal rotation, and that, that will screw up your your posture, creating a forward head placement. Also, you know, a lot of people talk about strengthening the mid-back, and I've, I did a whole podcast episode about that, but about how I think that the those little multifidi uh, that are in the mid-thoracic area become inhibited and can no longer help fight the kyphosis in the in the mid back so not only do we want to strengthen you know the traps and the la and the rhomboids um but but we and the serratus anterior of course we want to work with but what about those little multifidus muscles in the mid thoracic area are those inhibited if they're inhibited they can't really fight against that kyphosis that's happening so i think about that as well um and then don't forget that the uh, the normal amount of cervical lordosis mirrors the normal amount of uh, lumbar lordosis. So when you have an increased lumbar lordosis, it will increase the cervical lordosis. And really that's easy to understand if you're thinking about looking at someone from the side, if their tilt if their pelvis is anteriorly, tilted a bit because of tight hip flexors especially like the psoas then the there's a an increased lordosis in the in the low back the lumbar area because you still need to stand upright and if your hips are tilting you forward you have to increase the lumbar lordosis to stand up straight and once 
the lumbar lordosis increase is no longer sufficient to keep you looking straight forward, then your head has to start looking up more because your your actually upper body is slightly tilted forward a bit. So in order to correct for that, you're basically looking up to look forward. So you're like that millennial tower in San Francisco that's tilting. That's like 24 degrees or something tilted. Um, so, you know, it might not be uh, something that everybody notices, but if it's happening, it's definitely putting stress in places that stress should not be. And of course, we could all go into low back problems and hip problems from that lower cross. But what if, what if lower cross is, was creating an upper cross that's triggering headaches and migraines? So that's just another thing that I'm thinking about, especially for this one patient. So um, at some point, treating the hips could be helpful for migraine patients in my, in, in my theory, in my thinking. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And she's doing some new um, neck exercises I asked her to do some like regular warm-ups with which is really just some basic um movement you know um putting the chin to the chest and then looking straight up and doing that a few times in a row and then um the lateral stretch is an interesting one instead of thinking about bringing the left ear to the left shoulder we're thinking about bringing the right ear up to the ceiling pushing the right ear up toward the ceiling. It's a different stretch when you consider it, when you think of it that way. And then looking all the way to the right, look all the way to the left. And then the most important one is to jut the head forward, push push your head straight forward, still looking forward, and then feel those muscles engage, especially the suboccipitals, and then slowly bring it back as far back as you can, okay? Um, the that stretch going back will increase after each time that you move your head forward. It's a dynamic stretch and it's, um, it's like tricking the body. Basically you're engaging the muscle that you want to stretch. So you engage it and then it relaxes and then you can stretch it back. And I really think doing that regularly for someone who has tension in their suboccipitals can be very helpful. Um, what else? So I have a little handheld um, massage gun. It's a percussive massager, and it's really the size of my hand. And it's not one of the big names, and I'm not here to promote the name of any of them. But I found one that I originally bought for singing reasons. Um, I get a lot of jaw tension, and I was reading in a book about how massaging the masseter could be very helpful as a singer. So I um, bought this little massager for my masseter to work on jaw tension so that I could, you know, I, you know, I trained to sing classical music. So it's very important not to have jaw and tongue tension if you want to sing well. So I was working on that. And then it occurred to me when I was having some headaches regularly and some dizziness that I started working on my suboccipital muscles 
with this little massager and it felt so good because it's not strong it's not as strong as the ones you're going to use on your hips or other parts of your body it's it's very gentle even on medium or high and so i've been uh, suggesting it to a couple of my headache patients to see if this can be helpful for them uh, to work on those suboccipitals now that they know exactly how to locate them i've shown them how to feel palpate and find those suboccipitals because um, you know migraine patients already know where they're having neck pain they already massage you know intuitively massage around that sub suboccipital area but if i help them pinpoint it really well and then um, have them do this massager i think it could be helpful so i'm having a couple of my headache patients do this uh, neck routine as well as uh, the massager. And we're going to see one of my migraine patients only comes once a month and she normally has been down to only one headache per month for quite a while now. Um, and I'm having her do this as well just to see if it's helpful. Um, but the one that's, that's coming once a week, uh, she had two headaches last week, and I'm hopeful that with this new routine, this massager, and working on posture that will get her down below the two headaches per week. I would really love it if we could get her down to one or less, uh, one or fewer headaches per week, because then she's going from whatever that would be, 25 to 30 headaches a month to right now she's averaging probably eight to ten a month which is not great um, for her it's a huge relief but it's not in my mind ideal um, would be awesome if we could get her down to like four headaches a month or fewer uh, because uh, she doesn't want to do a lot of the medications that they've suggested and um oh she told me actually she uh she she tried one of the injectables recently. I think it was maybe a week ago. Um, they she tried this injectable that you you self inject, and she broke out in hives, and her her uh, lymph nodes in her right um, neck area swelled up. Um, so she's kind of not a fan of <laughs> of trying that any further but um but i thought that was interesting and and um man it's rough it's rough when the things that the that they suggest for you are not only not helpful but then you're allergic um so i really think that acupuncture and dry needling are like her best bet for us getting her to a level of only you know very few migraines every month um i saw another migraine patient who went to the neurological center that that treats her recently and and told them no i'm not doing 36 injections of botox again because she said uh the last time they did it um her head was so weak for over a month that she felt like she couldn't hold her head up. Um, so it was a little bit too much, I think, in the uh, trapezius. But um, but she said, no, the, the, the acupuncture and dry needling works 
better for me than the Botox. So she's sticking with this once for her. I see her once every other week. So I see her twice a month. Um, so for many people, I think um, acupuncture and dry needling of the trapezius can be really, really helpful for migraines. And I'm, and I say dry needling because um, just motor point stimulation to relax the trapezius is for many people not sufficient. Um, actually, I should say that after initial the initial few visits, when I've done a good session of dry needling of upper, middle, and lower trapezius, as well as the levator scapulae, after that, the maintenance is way, way easier. And it's not a lot of dry needling after that because you, you clear enough tension out of the trapezius and you're, you have a really significant reduction in headache treatment. I mean, headache uh, flare-ups. So, because if you can, if you can untrap the occipital nerves, then people will just have way fewer migraines. And a lot of that re revolves around um, breaking up those myofascial restrictions that Botox can only relax, but not not release and and remove. So. Uh, but once that's been cleared, the maintenance is so much easier. Then you're just looking at, usually you're not even treating the lower traps anymore. You're just treating middle and upper traps with electric stimulation. And then the the upper trapezius will probably still get some trigger points. But because it's been treated before, they release quickly and they are um, there aren't as many or and they're not nearly as dense so the maintenance is way easier for the patient um, to manage or to feel uh, the uh, it's not as intense i should say so and remember that the the main driver in the upper trapezius is almost always going to be that tight band in the front of the upper trapezius. So if you if your patient is face down and you grasp their upper trapezius with your hand, the front of their upper trapezius will very likely have a very hard ropey quality. And if you compare both sides with them, they will almost always tell you that there's a huge difference in the pain level on their headache side than their non-headache side. And then you really know that that upper trap trigger point in the front is driving headaches for that person. Um, I think there's some combo of nerve entrapment and myofascial trigger point pain referral that drives headaches from the upper trapezius. But remember, the theory of trigger point um, production is that there's a low level uh, stress on the muscle constantly. So, you know, working at a desk, looking down at phones, um, just basically living your life in the modern world, your, your upper trapezius is, is constantly working and it's very prone to trigger points. So uh, for maintenance, 
we really have to go after those those activated trigger points for headache and migraine patients. Um, we all have trigger points in our upper trapezius, but not all of us have headaches from them. So we don't have to treat those on every single person just because they're super tight. Um, they end up getting treated for shoulder problems. They get treated for neck and, and headache patients, but they're not, it's not necessary. Um, if somebody comes in with their, and their chief complaint is neck mobility, then yes, obviously we're going to treat trigger points that aren't active that are creating restriction, but we don't always have to treat them. You know, it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to put people through it if it's not their chief complaint. It's not the main thing, even if their upper traps are super tight. We, I'll tell them, I'll tell them that they're super tight, and I'll tell them that it is, it is a um, possibility that we'll be able to treat them. Um, you know, when they feel up to it, but we do not have to treat them unless it's part of the chief complaint. So, um, so anyway, I was. Um, I'm I'm working on postural things now for some of my tougher migraine patients where I really want to get them down to fewer, much fewer headaches. Uh, the nice thing is that for many, many migraine patients, um, you'll see a drop in frequency more significant than with this one patient who came in with daily headaches for you know most of her life. Um, Many people have more headaches later in life, and I think it's because they start to accumulate so much muscle tension that it just in increases the frequency of their headache. Um, you will not have success with this methodology when the, when the headaches are driven more hormonally. Um, you'll find there are women who had migraines until they hit menopause and then they had no more migraines. Those people are not going to get help from a um, physical approach like this. So just be aware, you know, um, I in no way am saying that all migraine patients will benefit from this approach. But a high, high percentage of migraine patients are at least partially being uh, activated by uh, myofascial restrictions in the trapezius, uh, the SCM, levator scapulae, and uh, the suboccipitals. So um, the, the best way to know is for them to come in for at least one treatment, and then you're gonna palpate. And when you find those active areas, that relate and or correspond to the headache side, then you know that somebody you can very likely help. Okay, so that's it for this week. Upper cross, lower cross for migraines. Um, hope you have a good week, and I will talk to you soon.